You're listening to audio from Valley Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to check out more resources or even connect with us, go to www.vcflongview.org. Good morning, church. Will you please remain standing to honor the reading of God's word? This is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 10 through 12. It says, In that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, and from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Go ahead and have a seat. I hope you all had an amazing Christmas. I know I did. I got to sleep till 11 yesterday, and it was glorious. It was glorious. But you know, as, as, as we come to the end of the Christmas season today, I am tasked actually to close our Christmas series. And there is something beautiful here that I, I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to do this series because as I got to study this message, I got to study the series, it, it, it prepped me, honestly, in many ways for the new year. We have been in the series, God With Us. And we have been looking at every title of Christ in the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And today, I get to come and share with you the title, The Desire of Nations. Mike keeps asking me, Andrew, what's your main idea? And it's, this is, here's, it's, it's, it's super simple. Jesus, Jesus will be the desire of of nations. Jesus will be the desire of nations. Today, what we're going to do is I I, I hope to, to replicate a journey that I've been on as I've been preparing for this message, as God has just revealed to, to me through scripture, what is in store for us who call him father. Because the Christmas season that we just celebrated, we celebrated the coming of Christ our Savior. But you're going to see here in many ways, we as Christians here in 2021, we have, we have a second coming to look forward to as Jesus our King. So before we go on any further, let's just take a moment to pray, to settle our hearts, and to give this time to the Lord. Father God, I I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you speak, that you are dynamic, that you speak to our hearts. Father, today that as we look at your word, as you speak to us, I pray, Lord, that you, you would whisper hope into our hearts. 
Lord, that you would meet us wherever we are with whatever things that we are struggling with, whatever things we're thinking about. Lord, I pray, Father, that we would know your might, your power, and your hope. So, Father, be glorified now. And may this, may this be your message. In your name I pray, amen. So today we are looking at Jesus, the desire of nations, and we're looking at the idea that Jesus will be the desire of all nations. And if you're going to study something like that, if you're going to look at the title of Jesus as the desire of nations, a logical question you're going to ask yourself is why? Why is it that Jesus is going to be the desire of nations? And that's what we're going to see here is that honestly, In the future, as time comes, and even now, the nations will desire hope. The nations will desire hope. So let's just look at verse 10 of today's passage. Verse 10 says, In that day, as in the future, in the day of the Lord, in that day, the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Verse 10 starts off with a reminder that we are speaking about the root of Jesse, or the rod of Jesse. This, this in many ways, this message today is a continuation. It's like a part two of the message I got to do just two weeks ago. So before we go on any further, we need to make sure that we remember the context of this passage, that this passage was being spoken to the nation of Israel to bring them hope. And when we speak of the idea of the root or the rod of Jesse, we are reminded that that God laid out this word picture, this imagery of all these mighty nations, these nations who were arrogant, who were boastful, who were anti-God. That God laid waste to them. He, it was represented as a clear-cut forest. That all these nations will be brought to their knees because of their sinfulness and their arrogance. And when all nations are laid to waste, the Messiah will begin to establish his kingdom. We see here, we see here that the root of Jesse, it's going to create a signal, a signal where people will desire, we need to gather there. And in many places in scripture, the idea of the signal here, as we expound on, it's the idea of like a beacon or a banner, a rallying point for people to gather around. And how is it that God is going to create this signal? It's going to be through the creation of his kingdom, that his people, the Israelites, not just the Gentiles, but specifically the Jewish nation, that God's going to gather all the people from his people from across the scattered parts of the world and bring together a mighty nation of peace, of justice, of glory, and everyone else will look at this nation and think to themselves, we want that. And now, even now, as we look to the expectation of this powerful kingdom, we can tell that we live among countries and rulers who do not care about the things of God, who have ignored the things of God, who do not take his his judgment 
seriously. Several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go see uh, one of my favorite comedians down in, in Portland. And I, I love comedians. I love co- like stand-up humor. There's, there's a lot of art that goes behind how to write a joke. It's not just silliness, which I love that too. But there's a lot of social commentary that comes when a comedian looks out amongst the world, tries to develop a joke, and everyone laughs. And what was interesting to me that this comedian, that as he started his bit, as he started his routine, he started talking about how people have forgotten that God judges the world. It was interesting to me that as he laid out his comedy routine, he was talking about how we are currently living in a pandemic, that there are earthquakes, there have been fires, there have been droughts, people are dying, and yet the world seems to have forgotten that God has spoken in many ways through judgment. And what was fascinating to me, what was fascinating to me as I, as I sat amongst the audience listening to this comedian, the people around me laughed and laughed and laughed and said to themselves, Christians are so dumb. As they thought, saw and mocked the idea that a God would come and judge them. Even now, Now, we live among nations who are haughty, who are boastful. And scripture reminds us here that they will be brought to their knees. And when they are brought to their knees, this rod of Jesse, this hopeful king, will establish a true kingdom. And when they do that, It says here in just verse 10, of him shall the nations inquire. Now, when you study this word inquire in the Old Testament, it's a pretty simple word. It's the idea that they will consult this king, that they will look at Christ and his kingdom and think we need to consult with Jesus to make sure that whatever he's doing, that we might be doing that too. But you know what? That's actually a misleading idea that Isaiah earlier in chapter 2 actually expands on the idea of what it will look like for these nations to come and consult with Christ. This is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, It shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and be lifted up above the hills and all the nations flow to it. This, before I go on any further, this is in many ways is a retelling of what we just said. It's another word picture, another idea that God is going to lay out this clear-cut forest and rise up the rod of Jesse. But in this, his glorious reign, his kingdom, it will rise up to be a mountain of mountains. That its might, its majesty will be recognized by the entire world. And because it is recognized by the, because it is so mighty, it is so glorious, the Bible says that all nations will flow to it. Well, what will the nations do when they flow to this mountain? It says in verse 3, 
And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, here it is, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You see, at this point, when, when Christ has established his kingdom and has brought back his nation, nations, nations will desire knowledge. It is at this point when they see this glorious king, when they have been so greatly humbled by the mighty King Jesus, right? The Old Testament God that we talked about just a couple weeks ago, who shows up as a pillar of fire, who is the Lord of hosts, who will bring the world to its knees when he sees this, when, when they see him, they will desire, the nations will desire knowledge, and the knowledge that they will desire is so plain to see in verse 3 of Isaiah 2, where it says that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk his paths. We are talking about a worldwide repentance. We are talking about nations, countries all around the world who will deny themselves and recognize that Christ is king. Now, no longer will they mock, no longer will they prod, no longer will they jest. They will recognize that the king that we claim as Lord and Savior they will recognize that he is Lord. And not only, not only will they recognize his lordship, they will walk in his paths. Well, what happens then? What happens for the world? When we, when we all submit to Christ in his lordship, well, let's look at the result of the desire of nations. We're in Isaiah 2, so we'll go on to actually Isaiah verse, or in 2, verse 4, just the next part. It says, he, as in the Messiah, as in Christ, he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and, sh and they shall bear their swords or, sorry, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not lift up sword against na nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Christ our King, Christ, the King of kings, well then his rule will be one of justice, one of reverence for God, the Almighty, the Creator. And because of his, like, his, his 
omniscience, because of his might and his power, his reign will be just and fair. And because everyone submits to him, people will understand because Christ is a good king. I am trying to wrap my mind around a life where people will not look at a rule and try to justify why they don't have to why they don't have to follow that. Have you ever worked with a child and a child you tell them, hey, I need you to eat your dinner before you have dessert. And a child will look for any reason to eat their dessert, their sugary dessert, before they eat what is nutritious and good for them. Well, what's interesting about that, that desire to angle, that desire to corrupt, that desire to get away with regulation, that still exists in all people. And we all know this because all you have to do is go to facebook.com and see people arguing about the stupidest interpretations of rules and laws and all these things. And yet we are seeing here that there will come a time where we will submit to the rule and reign of Christ. That he, he He will settle all disputes. But it's going to be done so in a way that the Bible describes this harmony. That weapons of war, swords and spears, they'll be turned into farming tools. This prosperity, this justice, this this harmony, it's expanded upon, actually, if we go back to Isaiah chapter 11. Where we, where we started today. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, describes in a greater detail, in another angle, of the rule of Christ. It says, The wolf, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's slow down here. This part of the Bible, in Isaiah, the Lord is describing all these predatorial animals and yet these these domesticated animals and how, how lambs will no longer have to fear the lion. How children can play over snakes, cobras, adders, and not have to worry because there is a harmony There is a harmony to the world because of the knowledge of the one true king. 
Christ is and he will be, they don't realize it now, the desire of nations. Because in his kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus died on the cross for, to give us citizenship into, will be one truly of peace and harmony and justice. These words, these words were spoken to a nation that had been rebellious. These words were spoken to a nation that had been going through the motions, that have been doing a lot of religious things in the name of God, but their hearts were so far from it. And so God, if you remember from my last message, God, God tells them that he is going to discipline these people, that he is going to allow them to go through slavery, through oppression, to go all, through all these things, and then through that, he will bring them out of that and establish them into a nation, one that will be a shining example to the rest of the world, and the rest of the world will fall in line with that because Christ, Christ is king. These words, these words were words of hope. These words, these words were given to a nation a broken nation for them, to, for them to look forward to. So it's at this point that I, as, I've, as I look at that, I've been wondering, what does that mean for the Gentile Christian of 2021 as we, as we are about to just go full throttle into 2022? You know, in, in Galatians and, and Romans, this, this continues to speak that, that Jesus, because when he comes into his reign, his power, we as believers, though we are Gentiles, we, are, we have been adopted and branched into that kingdom, that that is our place and our belonging. And I can't help but think about how this answers so many yearnings of our heart. I don't, I don't speak about this often. I've never really needed to, but I wanted to, share, I wanted to share this thought with you. I am the son of two immigrants. Both my parents are Vietnamese. And in my entire life, I have lived between worlds. As a young kid in elementary school, I, went, I lived in a home that spoke Vietnamese, and they were trying to learn American customs. And as I was trying to understand customs, you get into like middle school, right? And all of a sudden in middle school, there's all these different people groups, because all of a sudden money and status start to become a prevalent thing in middle schoolers, and middle schoolers are the worst, right? They just yell at each other and make each other feel like the, like the worst people in the world. And then in high school, you start to figure out who your clique is and all these things. I have lived my entire life not really knowing where I belong until I found Christ. And it's interesting to me that I've, I believe, as I have the conversations I have with all of you, 
that you and I both know. This world, this nation, this, this, the way things are, this is not our home. The last couple of years have been pretty terrible. Right? Let's just throw that out there. And yet, we are told here, just like the Hebrew nation when they heard this, our home is coming. That we have hope. That we have something to look forward to. Because this world, and it will, it will face judgment. And we will face judgment. It's, it's going down in flames. But after it does, the one we serve will rise and establish his kingdom. And we, we will be home. Now, I want to speak to the person who struggles then with the idea of hope. In the last message I got to do, as we, as we got to the idea that Christ, the rod of Jesse, is a symbol of hope, we looked at the idea that oftentimes God allows us and causes us to go through some terrible things because he's, he's yearning for us to repent, to turn our hearts toward him. And in the conversations I've had in the last couple of weeks, my mind is blown and humbled by how many people that they, they, they saw that how God is molding, how God is shaping, how God is calling them out of just a religious stupor to know the one true God. So if the last message was about repentance, well, this message right now, honestly, in many ways, it's about belief. Because the Messiah, the desire of nations, he is coming again. We just spent weeks celebrating the coming of Jesus. And he has shown himself to be faithful because he came. He came in a manger. If he came before, like he said, we can now trust that he will come again. But what about the believer who in their heart says, I, I know that here, but I don't, I, that's, I'm dealing with this right now. I'm dealing with my life right now, and it's hard for me to even find hope or to even find peace or joy about the fact that someday Jesus will be on the throne. I get that. I get that. I want to share with you something that Jesus said. This is John chapter 14. Verse 1 it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You know, if you are a believer who struggles with faith, 
who struggles with the idea, who knows in their mind that Christ is going to rule and then someday I'm going to be in heaven and all these things, but right now life is pretty terrible. You're in good company because I look at the Old Testament and look at Israel as they're going through slavery, generation after generation, holding on to the day that someday they would be free. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The journey of the gospel, right? as God reveals himself as his holy and just God, and then he reveals to us that we, we broken sinners are rebellious against him, that, that process of, of once we even give our lives to Jesus, as God saves us from our sins, but he, he continues to reveal his, his holiness and our brokenness, this cycle of growth, this cycle of sanctification, it all has to do with God revealing who he is and us repenting and then experiencing his goodness. And when you experience God in the day-to-day, in the low moments, in the small moments, it builds hope for the future as well. <laughs> in the last month, I've had plenty of conversations, and I wasn't, okay, well, we're going to, it's a wild card, Mike, here we go. <laughs> in the last few months, I've had people call me and asked me to speak to their son or their daughter about singleness. And about how I just, the word, the word that someone used was uh, coped with being a mid-30-year-old man and single. <laughs> I don't cope. I thrive. Because I believe God is in control. Let me, let me share this as I see God working through this. You know, in my 20s, I forced a lot of things to happen. I tried, like, I remember my senior year in college, I was like, man, if this doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen, and I've got to just meet as many girls, as many as I can, as fast as I can. Like, here we go. And that just went down a terrible, terrible road. And somewhere along the way, God just showed up. God has worked in my heart. God has changed my heart to know, to seek him on a daily basis, to see and to walk with him, to see him alive. And that gives me this hope for the future. If you know me, if you've ever talked to me, my greatest hope and desire, honestly, is to be a husband and a dad. This is not a call for you to start hooking me up with people. I'm not. (laughs) This is not that. What I am sharing is this. I'm not offended. I'm not hurt. I'm not going to bed at night just weeping that this hasn't happened yet. Because I have a future hope that God is faithful because I see him working now in my life. If you, if you have a future hope, and you do because Christ is the desire of nations, and you have a hard time looking out into the future and holding on to what God has revealed to be his kingdom it very well could be that you are distant from the Lord right here, right now, in the small things. I promise you, though, 
when you practice faith and repentance, repentance and then belief, believing, and God shows up in these small things, it gets you excited about the bigger things down the road and it gives you that much more to keep going because God wants you to be reliant, to be reliant on him. So family, as we bring this message to a close, I want to share this last thought. We are about to go forward into 2022. Who knows what that's going to be like? Maybe there's going to be a giant earthquake and like crazy things happen. Who knows? But you, you have hope. Because the kingdom that you are a part of, though there may be a time period where it seems like we're on the outskirts, and which is historically how it usually has been, the day is coming where the hurts of our hearts, when we look out amongst the people that we love and care about, they will be healed. That Christ will reign. And we, the world, will recognize Jesus is king. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that you give us something to look forward to. I thank you, Father, that even in the midst of hardships, Lord, you are in control that your might is on display. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would meet us wherever we are at. Lord, if we are riding high on your faithfulness and excited, Lord, or if we are low, wondering where you are, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, that you would show us how, we, how it is that we should turn to you and, Lord, be glorified in these moments. Father, Fill our hearts with excitement to know that, Lord, that you are a good God, that you are faithful, Lord. And fill us with the joy and the anticipation to know, Father, that you are coming again. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.